past few weeks about his will. What does his will look like? And, um, you know, we are dealing with this will. And last week we talked about who his will is and who that is. And that's, of course, Jesus. And Jesus' will is the Father's will, and they are one. And so when we look at that, that, that gives authority authority to the will that we're supposed to follow. And the first point that's going to be we're going to be discussing is God's will. And that's a topic that's discussed a lot today. Uh, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are trying to figure out what God's will is. But in reality, they want it to fit into their worldview. As they, as they seek God or they seek God's will, a lot of times they want it to maneuver in such a way that it benefits them. Let's make it a little bit more personal. How many times do we want it to benefit us? Like in reality, the human heart continues to want to try to bend God's will. Here's the thing. God's will is not able to be bended. Like, we can try, we can, we can do whatever, but, but that's the, the problem. We ask questions like, how dare God change me? I will change him. But what I think was really good uh, uh, with what our culture is doing is we limit God. We might even acknowledge it, but we limit God and who he is and what authority he has in my life. We limit that. If you remember having kids or seeing kids, don't they like to limit your authority as the parent? Right? It's like they're just like the audacity of them to say no sometimes. And the way they say it is like, who are you? Like, you're not my child. How? Do and all of a sudden it's like, but we do that to God all the time. No. How dare you ask me that? No, that's, I'm not doing that. You know, and, and that's, that is the, the issue that we, we are doing. And the will of God does not change for you. Uh, but today we're going to take a look at how to walk in God's will. Now, I'm letting you know right off the bat, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? This is not, I'm not coming here and you're like, well, you, did, you missed this and you missed this. It, it's not exhaustive. But it is a solid foundation for what we are to build on, on figuring out his will. Um, and let's be honest, we're going to uh, do where we're always supposed to begin, and we're going to begin with scripture. And you, uh, you want to know God's will? I'm telling you that you've got to know this. You want to know God's will? You've got to know the Bible. You've you got to know it. So let's dig in. We're going to start with... Uh, point number one after God's pill is God's path is narrow. We're going to look at Matthew 7, 13 through 14. God's path is narrow. Give you a second to look that up. And if you don't have your Bible, you can look up here. <clears throat> it says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, 
and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Already, I just want to lay the foundation. God's will is not always easy. It's not easy. Um, if it were so, it would read opposite of what just was said. Enter by the wide gate. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to destruction. Like, you just, no, let's read scripture, understand what it's trying to say, and look at it for what, what it's saying. The, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And he even puts the point, and those who find it are few. Like, he's even uh, spelling it out. It, it, the God's path is narrow. Have you heard this saying before, loving God is easy, but loving people is hard? <laughs> like, I've heard that saying many times. Like, loving God, but dealing with people. I think we need to change it, but I, I believe there's another saying that, that I think if loving God is easy, then loving people is easy, too. Because if we're truly loving God, we are going to love his image bearers. That's what we're called to do. You know God wants us to not make any idol of him, correct? No idols of him or anything. No idols. That, and, and there's a, a massive reason why is because he doesn't, that there's not, no image. But he's already created humans in his image. The humans are his image bearer. So they are a representation we are not to worship humans. We are not supposed to do that. But there, there's no idol that can facilitate the, the almighty God. But I think our reality today is a lot of people live this way. It's loving God is easy when I am God. Loving God is really easy when I'm on the throne. When I am God. I think there's a battle there that the reason why it's so narrow is people don't want the narrow path. They don't want it. People want to be their own gods. They will love people in their own way. But ultimately, selfishness and people's own desires always win out. You can look at the world today and see that. You can look at all the stuff that's going on, and you could be like, oh, well, I'm loving this person, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm accepting this, I'm, I'm doing that. And we hide it in this huge word called love. But that's not God's will, that's not God's love, that's not what it is. The thing we have to do is to look at our hearts and make sure that we are on God's path. Wearsby's commentary says this, God's people have always been a remnant, a small minority in this world. The reason is easy to discover. The way of life is narrow, lonely, and costly. We can walk on the broad way and keep our baggage of sin and worldliness. But if we enter the narrow way, we must give up those things. Jesus said that the narrow way is difficult, and we must choose it. We cannot walk on two roads into two different directions at the same time. 
Another point that I think we have to realize is you'll see the difference between the two paths of narrow and wide. You'll see it, and you'll be able to. A couple verses that you can write down that will help uh, dive into this. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to the wo this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 16 also says this, Remind them of these things and change them before, uh, uh, charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoiding irrelevant babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. We are called to the narrow path. We are called to look different. When we were talking down in Sunday school is, uh, we were talking about what righteousness looks like and what people, and all of a sudden is, when you see someone following the word, they look different, don't they? They just do. They're, on, they're, they're honoring, they're trustworthy, they have this, they have something. And, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Point number two. Well, we got, God's path is narrow, but we need to stay on the path. And this is what getting into the two different paths. Stay on the path. The world versus God's path. A lot of times, I think a lot of us want to be like, well, I'm on my own path. You don't judge me. I'm cool. Like, I got my own. Uh, there's only two. There's only, I'm, I'm just breaking it down simple. It's God's or the world's. Everything else in the world, like you could be on the fringe of the world or you could be over here in the world. It's still the world. It's two different paths. Matthew 6, 9 through 10, and I, I write these down just as, uh, so you can go back to it. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Doesn't say my will be done. Like your will be done. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay. Remember a few weeks back, I had told the story of me traveling on side of a mountain with on a cliff, okay? If you haven't heard it, we were driving. It was on the side of a mountain in Colorado, and basically it's a car and a half length away. We're some thousands of feet up, and there's a cliff on the side. One of my favorite parts is people coming up afterwards talking, hey, I have similar stories, and I love hearing those similar stories. But I tell you what happened when... I was on the path. I couldn't turn around. It's dark. Remember I talked that, hey, we got to keep going. But I tell you one thing. I didn't tell you about this part. All my training came back. My hands were on the 10 and 2 
like nobody's business. There was no music playing. Music was off. The brights were on. I was locked in. Yes, there was tension with my wife over there being like, what did my husband get me into? But I can tell you this, she's looking out the car for anything. She's just like, any lights, anything is work. And I am focused. I am locked in. Are you that way when you're in your walk with God? Are you locked in? Are you locked in so much? It says in what I just read, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I think it would have been a little bit different if I'm blaring music, one hand on the steering wheel, windows down, be like, let's ride. <laughs> it was a different thing. What is that path? I went back to my training, what I knew was the best way to get through the situation. So when things happen in your life, and I'm talking about you specifically, what do you go back to? Do you go to God? Do you trust his will? Or do you get angry? Do you go back to thoughts of self-doubt? Do you blame others? Do you do foolishness? Do you fall back into what habits? The way of the world or the way of God? And when you stay on the path, we need to move to point number three. It's one step at a time. Progress to maturity. This is a lifelong process and journey. I used to work for Youth for Christ in Cherubusco, and um, we did uh, a retreat, a huge national conference in that year. It was also in Denver. I've only been in Denver for that retreat and with my wife, but there's a lot of crazy stories in Denver. Um, so we went there, and I went out there, and I have some buddies out there. So my buddies... We're like, after the conference, I said, hey, let's hang out for a couple days. This is when I didn't have kids. Me and my wife weren't married yet, so I could still hang out there. So I was like, let me hang out a couple days with my buddies and friends. And I, I loved it. I got done with the conference. I walked out of the hotel, and it was like a scene from a movie. My buddies come driving in with a big van, pick me up. like They're just like grabbing me and going. It's like, let's go have a good time. So we were going to go to Red Rock, it's a theater, and then we were going to go on a two-mile hike. To get to Red Rock, it's a little bit of a journey, but at that time, me and my buddies, the, these guys were track guys. So we were in pretty good shape. We were like, oh, okay, yeah, well, well that was fine, that was good, let's do the two-mile hike, and then let's get home, because when we get back, there's potato soup with cheese waiting for us. <laughs> I remembered. Uh, as we went, we, me and one of my buddies were real close, and the other three guys, they were more up front. Me and my other uh, guy, uh, buddy were in the back, sort of just hanging out. But about two hours in, we realized this is longer than a two-mile hike. You know, I know it's uphill. It's going to take a little bit longer than running, but I was like, this isn't the right process. Like, and I know we are nowhere near 
where we need to go. Like, we're not by the car that I just left. We're two hours away. And at that moment, we had seen, like, uh, a Cougar's paw print, fresh one, you know, and just like, okay, well, I'm dealing with some different kind of animals out here, but we're still going. But then I realized, the three guys said, uh, we're lost. It's like, okay. What friends, you question your friendship right then. Like, what friends did I choose? I chose poorly. Uh, but it's like, okay, we have to get back. There's no point at that time, it's like, well, we give up. We're done. It's all over. Like, two miles, it's like, but we have to head back. And I tell you, there was a couple things that all automatically started uh, going through my mind. I wanted food. I wanted water. And I wanted a map. I was, the food was like this hope. So me and a buddy started talking like, okay, we got to take a step back. So let's go back the other way. Let's go back the way we came. And we took a step by step of this journey back home. Now we tried to take some shortcuts like down the hill, you know how it like, it like weaves in and out. So we're like going through brush. I cut my hand, bad choices. We were like, we got to get back. But we're trying to take it one step at a time. There was progress. And the, we started joking around uh, talking about the food because the reason why I remembered it so much is like, oh, I can't wait. Us guys were talking about it, like, can't wait to get that food. John Beers would have fit right in. He would have been like, let's go. Like, we're talking about the food. But I'll tell you one thing, it gave us hope. And I think one thing we got to talk about as a church all the time is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. This world is not our hope. The, the things of this world are not our hope. What is your hope? If you're hoping for your car to give you something, it will not. If you're hoping your house will give you something, it will not. If you're hoping a relationship in the human world, as great as it is, is your final hope? It is not. There's only one thing that can sustain you, that can feed you. That is the hope and love of Jesus. One step at a time. As you're going through this. Now, I believe in a God that can do miracles in a nanosecond. But I also believe in a God correcting people in the wilderness that took 40 years. Like, your timing might not be God's timing. And it usually is that way. But are you one step at a time making progress to maturity? 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 3, if you want to write this down, says, Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so much, so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Let's listen to it. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, 
that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us uh, for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. The will of God. So many times, we uh, wait, let's take sexual immorality right now. Man, don't we love having our own views on it? Right views on it? Like, oh, I'm right on this. Or right on this. I'm going to ask you, how is your sexual immorality life right now? Or how is it? Like, we will bust certain people, but we won't bust others. And the reason why I'm saying this is, we got to challenge each other as believers. If you're looking at inappropriate image, we got to call each other out. We got to be, we got, it's, it's unholy. If we are, if we are in an affair, that's unholy. All these things that we can get back on the right path. We repent and turn from it. But if you don't want to follow the will of God, keep making your own rules. Keep making them. It's been the, the biggest thing in a lot of culture. Like, we'll say this sin's wrong, but other people will say, like, no, as long as you're committed to that person, you can uh, have sex with them before marriage because you're not going to have sex with anyone else before them. Really? Really? Where's the standard? It's not John Pell's standard. I'm just letting you know, this is not me saying, hey, this is where I think you should do. I just read the scripture. Like, you have to read that. That's why you have to know it. Now, some of you have gotten through that, and you're still beating yourself up, even though you have repented for the past. That's not living in God's will either. That's you feeling sorry. Like, yes, you might have had consequences for there, but it's done. It's over. Those consequences still go on, but God, if you believe God really forgives you, or do you believe not in that big of a God that he really can't forgive you? Ah, I've said this quote before, but actually when you do that, you're actually saying the death on the cross was not good enough. He could not really take my sins. No, you need to give that over. And that's one step at a time. You might have sinned, but that one step might be like, that step is for me to repent. And maybe that next step is to be like, realize that God does love me. I don't know where, that, this is what is so great about Jesus and the Christian faith, is I don't know where each one of you are at, but you and God do. But you and God do. And that's why I love preaching, but I also don't, because he's also challenging me. One step at a time, where are you at? Where are you at? I know where the kids are. They're having a blast. You chose poorly, Doug. Uh, we are not to disregard this. We are to take steps after steps towards holiness with the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing I want us to get done right now. So many of us do it by ourselves. 
We're like, oh, if I do this, then God's going to love me more. That's such an American thing, because we earn it, because we're America. We earn it. And I'm not saying working hard's not, working hard's great, but I'm also saying, are you doing it by the Holy Spirit, or are you doing it for yourself? It's called to one step at a time, progress to maturity through the Holy Spirit leading us. I like this quote from a commentary. It said, don't think because you sin from time to time, you are completely, I want you completely missing God's will for your life. But also don't think that if you're living in sin and not growing in the Lord, that you are actually following God's will. When we are following God's will, we will not be perfect, but we will be continually progressing forward more and more in our sanctification. Some of you, you, and this is different people to act differently, so I'm trying to hit the wide gamut. Some of you sin, and all of a sudden you feel like it is, like for the next year you are out of God's will. And I, and I, I, I think you've got to really question that. Like, I think you need to repent. Now, the, I don't know what the consequences are. I don't know how that, that's going to be. But you have to be able to rest also on his truth and his his healing power, and it's also his, his bringing us back, restoration back to each other. And that leads, and this is why I, I think that leads to point number four is, and this is what I was talking about when I was up on top of that mountain. When I was up on top of that mountain, I wanted food, water. So food uh, was Jesus, the water, Holy Spirit. And the final thing is I wanted a map. I wanted scripture. Scripture is the map. Bible's promises will start showing in your life. When you start following the will of God, when you start letting this impact to you, you will start seeing it show up in your life. When I was following the rules of the law in my driving up the side of the mountain, 10 and 2, no music, I was driving amazing. It was the best driving I've ever done. We still talk about it to this day. <laughs> but I went back to the source of all the rules that you're supposed to follow. But also at some point, I also said this, I had to trust the GPS. I had to trust it on the GPS of where I was going and where it was leading to. We also must trust the scripture to do the same in our lives. When you do what the Bible says and where the Holy Spirit leads, it will show up in your life. The same commentary I just read from, uh, I want to read here. It says, God has not promised us health, wealth, and all of our wildest dreams to come true when we follow his will. But according to Ephesians 1 through 3, he has promised us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus when we put our faith in him. And so Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Some of you find this very hard to comprehend. Some of you are feeling that you are dealing with stuff that you have no control over. Some of you are dealing with your own consequences. Wherever you are, you cannot change the past. 
You can only follow God's will now. During COVID, during COVID, I had to do a lot of online watching of videos for church service. So I started watching other church services. And there was this one church that I, I really enjoyed following, and all of a sudden, they started having baptisms. And people were coming up like crazy. Like it was like four or five the first time, and then there was like 10 or 12 the next Sunday. But you know what always got me? My, I remember my kids all the time as I was watching it the one time, I, I started crying. And of course my girls are like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And like, no, these are happy tears. These are like good tears. Like, these are good. But you know what always got me? Was the 78 to 85-year-olds that were up there baptized. It hit me. It hit me. In the sense that they had lived so long, I don't know their whole backstory. I don't know all of it. But they know even at that moment they needed Jesus. They needed the Savior, the Lord of all. And the reason why is that is like, they believe that no matter through their history, God forgave their entire sins. They, it's all wiped clean. It was only done by the blood of Jesus. It was done uh, in that way. That's why the Bible's promises will show up and they were fulfilling those promises. I'd like for the worship team to come up as I wrap up. It says this, Therefore, when you are truly following God's will for your life, the promises of Scripture will manifest in your life. For as Jesus said in John 7, 17, he says this, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Jesus is and will always be the path. But as we look at this, are these biblical promises, are Bible promises showing up in your life? the way you live. It's grace, peace, joy. Are those part of it? Are the fruits of the Spirit part of your life? If they're not, then maybe Bible promises haven't impacted it. I'm not talking about your salvation at this point. I'm not talking about, but you want to follow God's will or find God's will. Well, we need to get on that path. We need to know that this path is not going to be easy. It's going to be narrow. But we also know that God will be there. He will provide. He is the map. He is the food. He is the water. He is the sustaining force that will get us through everything. No matter what the future holds. But what is that rock that you're on? And a lot of times I really question myself, and I, I want you to think about it. Do I only go to God when I'm on side of a mountain when everything looks really bleak? Then I'm 10 and 2, then I'm focused, then I'm right. But then once I get on the, uh, the, uh, the path again, 
Woo! Let's do me. Man, I don't want to be that way. I want to be 10 and 2 all the time. Where I'm with God, knowing the direction that He is taking me. Where He's guiding me. Where He's guiding us. Where He's guiding us as a church. Where He's guiding us as believers. And it's going to be a slow process. A step here and there. But I just want to encourage you, whatever that step is, take it. Some of you have been given the opportunity to take a step and still haven't taken it. Some of you know you have to have a conversation with someone and haven't done it. Some of you know that I need to maybe get away from this person for a while. Haven't done it. Some of you know that you need to read the Bible. You know what was interesting? I had a great conversation. We did the Sunday night talk, and it was 20 minutes where Doug read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You read three chapters of the Bible in 20 minutes. How beautiful. I'm, I'm challenging you. Maybe you know God's saying, I need that time. Not as a checklist, but to know God's will. God doesn't love you more because you spent that 20 minutes in, but now you get to know God more and you get to live it out. What a beautiful sight. It's a, it's a beautiful marriage. That's what we're called to do. Stand with me and let's, let's pray. And then we'll worship. God, as we come to worship, may our hearts follow you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the scripture to help guide us. We love and praise you. Let us worship together.